0: This podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness.
1: Weird Al, seriously.
2: 1980s now. It's called... One pot brownies, but I swear there's nothing, (laughs) nothing in that name involved in there. Mm. (laughs) Are are you
0: allowed to send them through the postal
1: service? (laughs) Welcome back to another episode of 1980s. Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture. And it's influence.
2: right this very moment. Mm
1: I sound kind of tinny to myself in my earbuds here.
2: Hmm, you don't sound tinny to me.
1: You you
0: sound absolutely resonant to okay, me. very
2: fantastic. <laughs> resonant, what a great hey, adjective. Resonant. My, resonant, my name is
1: Resonant Will, <laughs> and joining me as always is my friend and co-host
2: Kat. Hi, guys.
1: See, I didn't introduce <laughs> John Hello. yet, so I really screwed you up, huh? You did what? What? <laughs> I didn't introduce John yet, so I forced you into that position you were last week to see what you would say. To see what I would here.
2: say. And here I was waiting to hear an adjective for me, because oh. you're resonant. Mm. Will so I thought oh is there an adjective coming so I was waiting uh, and then nothing so.
0: effervescent, effervescent. Can I, can I recommend effervescent oh, yeah I like that.
2: effervescent
1: I like cat, cat. Yeah. The ever effervescent cat. Ever, oh. Oh, that's all. Ooh. I got to do my that's red leather, it. yellow leathers before I do that. <laughs> ever, ever effervescent The human torch was
0: denied a bank
1: loan. <laughs> 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 and uh, joining us uh, today, as well as our usual and often uh, guest co-host, and once again, John from Gen X Up. Hey, John. Hey, thanks for having me.
0: I'm going to
2: call him Dulcet Tones, uh, John.
0: Dulcet Johnny. We'll go for it. Yeah, Dulcet no, Johnny. thanks.
2: Dulcet <laughs> nice Johnny. To sit yeah.
0: in
1: again. Thanks, guys. Hey, on today's show, we're going to be speaking with Lily Hirsch. She wrote uh, well, Ooh. about her new expanded edition uh, or the expanded edition of her. Hmm, how do you say this? Her newly expanded edition. There you go. Of her book. Ooh. Sounds good. Weird Al. Seriously. With a forward by Dr. Demento, the man who put helped put Weird Al on the map. I I wonder if, and I'm trying to think back to the 1980s now, you know, Dr. Demento helped make a number of folks sort of uh, popular, including Weird Al. Um, Mm -hmm. And a a guest that we're going to be speaking to in a few weeks, Julie Brown, actually also has a connection to Dr. Demento. But Mm -hmm. So I wonder, I guess, these folks are talented. Al is certainly talented. Julie's talented. They probably Mm would have found another way, right? I mean, they would have been heard Mm -hmm. some other way, uh, especially um, in the era of music videos for both of them, I think.
2: Hmm. Right. I think, yeah, maybe MTV would have been uh, a good way for them to go, but... Not as I mean, many, there weren't as many avenues back then.
0: Well, especially, I mean, so Dr. Demento was a special flavor of Avenue in. If you were a novelty yeah. act, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, Al's talked many times about how he was a fan of Dr. Demento and he right. was giddy to find the, the, hearing himself on the Demento show. Yes. And it, because, you know, it's not like he was a mainstream artist that he could just go, you know, cut a demo and take it up to the <laughs> the records, take it up yeah. to the store or take it up to the mm-hmm. radio station. Mm-hmm. They're like, what are you nuts? What, what are you banging on stuff in the bathroom? That's not what I want to hear the Radio, but yeah, Demento <laughs> ah. was like, "This kid's got potential," and he heard it. So yeah. yeah,
1: John just dropped so many weird Al Easter eggs into that one what? explanation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's revealed himself what? to be a fan. I think um, that's absolutely
0: certain. Yes. So uh, <laughs> you know, thinking
1: well, you know, we'll, we'll talk about weird. Let's chat about weird Al. I guess in a minute yeah. after we talk about 1980s. I did want to make one announcement. <phone rings> Mm. Uh, hey, just a reminder, I'm going to be at Ohio Fan Fest It's May 13th and 14th. You'll have the chance to, like, you don't want to see me there, but I'll be there. You can meet a whole other a number of folks, including a number of wrestlers like Kurt Engel, Jake the Snake, mm. Roberts, mm-hmm. uh, and also mm-hmm. some folks from 1980s films, including a Caroline Williams, Bill Mosley, uh, Vernon Wells, and Mark mm-hmm. Holton, both of whom I'll have the opportunity mm-hmm. to uh, interview live at various panels. And like we talked once before, Larry Kenny, I'm very excited to, to talk to a voice actor, Larry Kenny, who voiced a number of cartoon characters. I loved that in the 1980s, including Lionel himself. So uh, join mm-hmm. me and uh, come say hi at uh, Ohio Fan Fest. It's May 13th and 14th. Visit ohiofanfest.com for more information. Okay.
2: You'll need to let wow. us know if anybody comes just to see you ha! afterwards. Wow.
1: <laughs> you got a
2: stack of
0: celebrity headshots? Are you charging for autographs? How's that oh. working? You have demands for the green room? Yeah. Only the blue eminence. you say a
1: stack of celebrity headshots? Which celebrity's on the headshot though? I mean. (laughs) Cat. Yeah. I mean, I could, yeah. We'll stand a better chance.
2: Oh no. John, have you seen Will's latest profile picture? With the ski, oh, ball, ha-
1: with the duck how- lips. I got it printed out. I have a poster. Are You kidding me? Yeah,
2: that's oh, what's is behind that
1: him. <laughs> I think you did. You Photoshop that though? You couldn't see my nipples on the original.
0: What is? Hmm. Yeah, I, I have a thing for leather and studs. Yeah, yeah it's okay. Mm-hmm.
1: No, don't mind me. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, I think you Photoshopped my head on Vernon Wells' body from The Road Warrior. Thank you for that. Oh, take some steam off. Okay, hey. <laughs> Let's get caught up on 1980 news. Man, always so many things happening related to our favorite decade, and this week is no different. Per deadline, Amazon Studios leads bidding on Voltron, the live action film. So, In March uh, of this year, we heard that the live action uh, feature adaptation of Voltron was coming and it's co-written and to be directed by Red Notice's Rawson Marshall Thurber. I didn't watch Red Notice. Did you watch Red Notice, John? Mm Mm-mm. No. Well, it was like like the number one. I'm sorry. Should I ask you, Kat?
2: I I, I like how you didn't. Well, I I just got to be efficient here you knew
1: okay Uh, very good moving on Uh, it was like the number one film on Netflix it's a Netflix original film but it starred uh, Ryan Reynolds in The Rock and uh, Gal Gal Gadot yep yep Number one for weeks and weeks and weeks. I think it was only bested by that film, uh, The Adam Project, which was a homage to '80s films. Finally, toppled it and became number one. Uh, that was
0: that. top. That was great stuff.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh boy,
2: I have a lot of more, a
1: lot more to add to my list. Oh, cat, cut straight to The Adam <laughs> Project. We did Neither of us saw red notice. You don't need to see that. Okay. okay. But, the, but the the uh, the helmer of that film though was bringing us a live action Voltron. Uh, but in March we learned this, and then a bidding war ensued. Now Netflix, which actually has red notice, didn't wasn't participating in this. Uh, the bidding efforts to get the the rights to the the film on their streaming service but according to deadline Amazon Studios is the front runner to bring the uh, giant robot uh, picture to their streaming service um the original show followed a team of five space explorers who pilot a look this is so much 80s in a sense right here five space explorers <laughs> pilot <laughs> pilot a super robot I mean a gigantic super robot. Mm-hmm. Uh, named Voltron. It aired on NBC, ABC and then later on NBC from 84 to 85.
2: Mm-hmm, Were you a mm-hmm. fan of
1: Voltron, Cat?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I. Was not, but my brother was. No, we don't. So the brother's was, not on the show. Uh, Your brother's not oh, on the right show. Now. I was exposed. I was exposed. You are electron. exposed right
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> You're lost. Back in the
2: eighties too, and I remember it was a big deal when he received his giant. Oh, Voltron. he had that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was. No. I, I helped him with it, and it had projectiles. Oh and
0: okay, I, all right, you're back. Yep, yeah. yeah. projectiles Thank that are you. not allowed in toys for kids these yeah. days. <laughs> but the, you know, give me my lawn darts back. Give me my little projectiles coming out of yes. my toys that can <laughs> I can swallow. Yes, please.
1: The greater danger of those things, instead of injuring somebody, was losing it. Right, you would shoot it once, oh. and then I swear it's under mm. the couch. Is it under the oh, yeah. stove? I mean, mm-hmm. right. I mean, sometimes it's just when gone. you
0: move, you're like, "A oh, there that was," <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. exactly <laughs> behind the bed, by the vent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, did you watch
1: Voltron as a kid, that John?
0: I watched it. It was always on after school and it was usually the first thing on when I got home after school and I wasn't a super fan of it, but I saw Mm. it every day because Mm -hmm. the choice was watch Voltron while I'm waiting on the next cartoon or do homework. And I mean, that's a non-starter, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. when I heard they were making a live action Voltron, that makes me question like, like how much is really live action? Mm. I mean, it's largely no. CGI. That's a good point. Yeah. There are live action shots inserted, but to do a mm-hmm. Voltron justice, it's going to have to be. I mean, you're not going to make those sets. I mean, it's that's an enormous, you know, multi part fused symbiotic yeah. robot thing, and mm-hmm. it's going to be fantastic to see on screen though, and uh, as a as a live action ish, oh. you know, sort of mm-hmm. physical mm-hmm.
1: thing. I hadn't even thought about that. You're right. It reminds me now of those. Uh, what was that kaiju movie that was like? Uh right yeah yeah you're right how many it's real folks on a green screen for the most part yeah exactly right right. because you have to have all those
0: giant machines and the the all the robots fighting and i'm sure they're gonna have some big giant monsters to fight or something great and Mm -hmm. none of that's gonna be real but you know they call it live action it's it's like they called the lion (laughs) king live action it was all cgi animals right it's like (laughs) (laughs) air quotes live
2: action yeah yeah
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like uh uh, your Mm -hmm. pot brownies uh, the um, uh, one pot brownies. I should have said the whole name of her brownies. Um, the you make me think like it's interesting, right? How our brains work, and we talk maybe with this about John Tartaglia, the puppeteer, you know, behind a f- the current Fraggle Rock and so many shows that we watched as, as puppets that are mm-hmm. he's still a part of today. Um, but um, if it if we keep it in the world of animation, our brains are fine. But if you add a real human mm-hmm. to it, suddenly we're mm-hmm. like, oh, the cartoon part of it looks fake.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's that uncanny valley. The problem yeah. is that it's so close to real, but it's not. And our brains go, that's not quite right. It's not. Mm-hmm. You know, your, 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 your monkey brain in there goes, mm, not quite real, not quite real. And you know, they see, they sense danger. And that's what makes you feel uneasy oh. when you see that face that's almost <laughs> right, but it's not. And you're like, oh, it's a, it's a, they're trying to trap me. Right. So it's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I always think weird when they say it's going to be live action and really it's large, it's 80% yeah.
1: CGI. Yeah. Eh. You know, in, digging, in preparing to talk to you guys about this, because I was like you, I was, uh, it was on, I wasn't crazy about it. Like I was about some other anime turned into mm-hmm. a U.S. property, like my my favorite Battle of the Planets, which is really Gachamon. Mm. Love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I found it interesting to to, to learn that unlike uh, Battle of the Planets, which was based, which they took Gatchaman and modified it. They created new, some new segments for that because they had to remove so many segments that they thought would be offensive to U.S. children at the time. And their parents, Mm. especially, that they they didn't have enough cartoons. They had to make up their own stuff. But on this one, it turns out that Voltron was based on more than one cartoon from Japan. The first season was based on, Oh, and actually, this is kind of interesting. It says, originally, World Events Productions, who made it, adapted the Japanese, uh, they were intending to adapt adapt the Japanese uh, series, Future Robot, (laughs) Future Robot, Future (laughs) Robert. (laughs) <laughs> like an accountant, a super accountant, future Robert, Robert robot, Daltonius, Daltonius. I don't know. Okay. Mm. They requested mm. the master tapes from the, the animator who owned it in Japan. And, and even though they said, we want the ones with the lion in it. Uh, I don't know how to say this Japanese country's uh, the Japanese animation uh, company's name, Toei, 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 you know that one? Spell John? it. I think it's to-i. Toei. Yeah, Toei. E I. T-O-E-I. T-O-E-I. Toei. T-O-E-I? Yeah. yeah. T-O-E-I. Yeah. Uh, so when they said you won't want them with the lion, they mistakenly shipped to world events, copies of beast King go lion. Um, <laughs> so when they saw that, they said, Oh, we like this even better than when we really wanted. We'll use that. But it turns oh. out that, uh, when they, when they were working on, again, converting this for us audiences, they, this is what the articles or the, the, the note says on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. <laughs> they had no means <laughs> of translating the Japanese. Really? I mean, even what? in the 80s, people didn't speak both <laughs> languages. I saw the movie yeah. Gump Ho. I mean, it's.
0: <laughs> so what they did well, is. The guys in up, that office had no means and you'd have to go outside guess. to find someone that
1: could translate. So right. yeah, yeah, I guess just make yeah. up our own stuff. So they guessed that what the stories were by just <laughs> looking at it. <laughs> they guessed. And then they wrote new dialogue. They cut out the oh, violent scenes and other scenes that might offend, uh, again, the U.S. audiences. Uh, yeah. And it was a hit. But by the second season, they adapted in a completely unrelated Japanese cartoon for the next season of Voltron. <laughs> 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 I don't remember it being so different, but. What a
2: mishmash.
1: <laughs> All
0: right. Because in. Yep. in the beginning it was like animal based and then it became robot based and we just kind of we kind of rolled with it. It was cartoons. Again, right. it was better than homework.
1: Yeah. It was available. Uh, mm-hmm. To yeah. their credit. Yeah. We yeah. didn't even notice. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nobody was going to message boards. Um, I believe they changed the robots. No, nobody <laughs> cared. It's just cartoons. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't know John does voices. I love that character. <laughs> Maybe that was future Robo- Robert. We just that was heard. future Robert. <laughs> <laughs> future Robert. By the power of my briefcase.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pop. Oh, hey, look, another 1980s <laughs> news as reported by Consequence of Sound. Sting says, grown men can't be in bands. So the 70-year-old mm-hmm. former police frontman shared his thoughts on aging out of rock stardom in a recent interview with Mojo. He said, quote, I don't think any grown man can be in a band. Uh, a band is a teenage gang. Who wants to be in a teenage gang when you're knocking 70? It doesn't allow you to be evolved. Uh He continued to say, you, you have to obey the rules and gestalt of the band, as much as I love the Rolling Stones and ACDC, it's hard to see growth in their music. Uh,
2: okay.
1: I love how this <laughs> uh, writer in Consequence of Sound points out. Sting conveniently glossed over the fact that he fronted the police between the ages of 26 and 32. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he made his solo debut in 1985, The Dream of the Blue Turtles,
2: when he was 34 years old. I guess suddenly he was a grown man. Yeah, so, yeah
1: why, why now is he suggesting that other old folks can't be a band I, I don't yeah
2: I love staying I love his music but I feel like he's kind of projecting here mm. <laughs> a little bit like <laughs> his process does not have to be other people's process or, or a blueprint for all musicians. Oh.
0: Well, Uh, first I take a bit of umbrance with the fact that 34 is an old man. So let's cut that out (laughs) right away. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, I mean, so it could be when I read the article, I thought, you know, maybe somebody is like distilling down his, his, his thoughts down to one thing. But Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. what he was getting to was when you're stuck in a group of people that all are kind of like having to meld and adapt, you can't individually go in a direction that you want creatively. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that depends upon the person. I think if you have a group of people that are going the same direction, you could. But I think that really kind of is a reflection of how he felt about his bandmates, that maybe they were not going in the direction he wanted. Therefore, Mm -hmm. you know, if you Mm -hmm. want to break away from that, you've got to get out. So yeah, a little self-reflection on behalf of Sting.
1: Yeah. Yes. And there is Mm -hmm. a line to support that that says something to the extent that the police were there as a vehicle for his music and not the other way around. Not the other way around. Yeah. Something like
0: that. (laughs) That
2: seems a little dismissive. No? A little pompous. Yeah. (laughs) It's like,
0: you know. (laughs) Huh. Good thing you guys were here for my music. Lucky you.
1: <laughs> As a side note, and I think this is a whole other thing that's worth chatting about some other time in the future, that earlier this year, Sing, Sting sold his entire songwriting catalog, mm-hmm. both mm-hmm. the solo uh, music and the music with the police, to Universal Music Group for an estimated price tag of $300 million. Wow. And he's just one of many who have been recently doing this. I started looking, I started putting together a list of other folks who did this, including Bruce Springsteen and some others. Mm. Maybe we could play a Mm -hmm. game with about the price tag at some point in the future, but it is astronomical. (laughs) Well, what is ding like 70 now? 80? How
0: old is he? Yeah, I think he's around 70. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: I mean, look, if somebody said, hey, everything you've done to this point, we'll give you 300 mil for and like that. Or you could take your nickels from Spotify. I'm like sold. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I can move for. First of all, I'm taken care of. I don't have to ever. Not that he has to work anyway, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, it, what are you going to do with the rights to your stuff? Are you going to record it or something? He clearly wants to move on creatively. So yeah. sell it. Take the money. Cash out.
1: Move on. All right. What if the Good 300 million is offered to you in Bitcoin? Oh. Uh. <laughs> or an <laughs> NFT of Sting.
0: Oh. An NFT, a, a picture of Sting. Yeah. Yes, you can sell it to back to me. No, give me some money. In my day, we had money. <laughs> He's got a second voice. Yes. Oh, That's the old guy in my lawn voice. kids uh, comes out of spontaneously. I'd probably now, like this
1: idea, though, about, like I think, I, I think you're right about your analysis of Sting. I think there's enough in the article to support that idea that maybe being in a group of folks sort of helps, mm-hmm. keeps you from evolving the way that you would naturally on your own. You and I both do podcasts with other folks, John. Are we too mm-hmm. old to be yep. in a quote gang, as he says? <laughs> Otherwise, our podcasts are going to be stagnant. I guess mm. you're stunting. I think your it depends growth. on whether whether or not you're the gang leader. Is this the difference? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh! oh. <laughs> I just want you guys to know, in 1980s, now, sir is there to serve my voice. It's a vehicle for me, <laughs> not the other way not around. the other way around.
2: <laughs> Am I stunting your growth? <laughs>
1: Oh, <laughs> hey, uh, another 80s, 1980s news. And by the way, happy May 4th. You know, it's uh, mm. this week is May 4th. And here's our Star <laughs> Star Wars related contribution to that. As reported by Games Radar, Ewan McGregor's, uh, he's never met Darth Vader. He never met mm-hmm. Darth Vader. So you think about all the films. He's, he's been mm-hmm. with Anakin. Mm-hmm. He helped train Anakin. Yep. Mm-hmm. He uh, fought side by side with Anakin before he then fights against Anakin.
2: Mm-hmm. He cut Darth Maul in half. That was cool.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. He famously has the high ground against Anakin.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: But he's never met Darth Vader. Um, right. So uh, <laughs> thanks to the new Disney Plus series, though, he's finally had the opportunity to face off against the, you know, the the uh, iconic uh, masked villain. Uh, mm-hmm. He said, quote, I never met Darth Vader, he told uh, Total Film in the new issue of the magazine. I had rehearsed the scene with Vader, but not with the helmet on or anything like that. When we came to do the scene, when they shouted action, he had to come from behind me. I turned around and fucking Darth Vader was coming at me. It was like I was six again. I never acted into into Vader's helmet. I never looked him in the eye. Uh, He continues to say, it scared the shit out of me. I'm not joking. It gave me a proper jolt of absolute fear. Oh my God, that's not acting. It's real. I'm truly frightened right now. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, I love this. I had a similar experience. I went to star Wars in concert with my wife. I don't know, 15 years ago when they were still doing that. It was a really cool thing. They did a bunch of songs. They place, they were essentially scoring scenes from the film. Uh, ah. Anthony Daniels was there dressed in a golden mm. uh, suit. Wow. Uh, introducing nice. each of the songs. And, oh my gosh. you know, during, um, and there were a lot, they had a lot of, uh, like props and set pieces and stuff set up in the, you know, the arena where it was, you could walk around mm-hmm. during intermission or before and we were waiting to go into an elevator to get to the next level where our seats were and the doors open and sure enough two stormtroopers are flanking Darth Vader and it. it's like a scene out of a new hope and and the, the yeah. guy who's Darth Vader he has some kind of apparatus where you just you and he just comes, he could see that I'm like, <laughs> and the dude is all of like six, seven or, I'm talking like the real David mm-hmm. Prowse height oh, comes right wow. towards me with his hands on his hips, like that <laughs> iconic <laughs> tops collector's card look. And he has the voice, you know, he's like, oh he boy. says something to me in that voice. I I swear to God, I almost I almost shit my pants too, dude. To borrow <laughs> from him. <laughs> Need a bathroom break. <laughs> my wife's like, let's take a picture. And I go over to him. I think you seen it. I'm like, huh <laughs> and it's not so much giddy as, and I, I think it's you, McGregor, or, or one of them talks about how. Look, we grew up as kids, indoctrinated to mm-hmm. fear this dude.
2: Mm-hmm. You yeah. can't even help yeah. it;
1: it's animal at that point. You know, it's like John said, monkey yeah. brain just kicks in.
0: Yeah, we we uh, we recorded an episode recently of talking about just celebrating Star Wars, the first film, again for May the Fourth, and we yeah. talked about mm-hmm. how, uh, just how. Um, representative this it was a fantasy film in a science fiction world mm. in very much like the bad guy was wearing black and mm-hmm. he was giant and tall mm. and a deep voice and the plucky mm-hmm. hero in a white tunic you know was like the you know white hat black hat you know mm. cowboys and indians kind of thing and mm-hmm. it's just it's indoctrinated not just star wars but throughout all of it and star wars drew upon every one of those things that we're pre kind of conditioned mm. to oh he's he's big and he's scary and you can't see his voice and he's right. tall and he's you know and yeah and then plus it's it's fucking Darth Vader. On yes. top of that, <laughs> yes. it's bananas. Yeah, I, oh. I, I I can empathize with Hugh McGregor. I mean, and he's standing in an environment where they have made it look real for screen. It's yeah. not just running into an elevator. This is he's in the element. I can imagine. Yeah, wow.
2: <laughs> he's in character. I'd like mm-hmm. to point out something I found funny. Yeah. Oh, something else that he was frightened of while filming was stormtroopers holding blasters. Yeah. I mean, really, is that scary? Because they can't hit anything, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing nothing frightening about that.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, friendly fire, ricochets. Yeah. That's what he's mostly
1: yeah. concerned about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, finally, another 1980s news. Uh, I, I dig this story. I think I've never heard it before. As reported by the New York Post, Jennifer Gray claims... That her split from Matthew Broderick back in the 1980s inspired a hit Madonna song. So Jennifer Grey's expressing herself in her new memoir, Out of the Corner. The Dirty Dancing star, who's now 62, believe it or not, revealed that her breakup with her ex, Matthew Broderick, inspired Madonna's hit 1980 song, 1989 song, Express Yourself.
2: Mm-hmm. Apparently,
1: I didn't know this either, but uh, Grey and uh, Madonna were, were friends way back in the 1980s. And they appeared in the 1989 period flick Bloodhounds of Broadway together. Mm-hmm. So- At some point during this period of time, according to Jennifer Grey, quote, she played it for me in her car. Mm -hmm. I was in my log cabin with Johnny Depp. Name drop much? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And she said, come into my car. And I got into, oh, I love this. And I got into her Mercedes so we're also getting brand new. <laughs> oh, product placement
0: in your anecdote? Come on. Where she said she had a great. really good
1: sound system. Uh, probably Bose, I guess. I don't know. A Really good Bose sound system. <laughs> yeah. And yeah.
0: she was like- a- listen- audio,
1: audio technica, most audio likely. Technica. Yeah. And she was like, listen to this song I just did. It's about you. Uh, of course, she played her express Express Yourself. I'd be curious more of what the connection was from the breakup to the thing. Like, what did she reveal about the breakup that would inspire this idea that Express Yourself?
2: That had me curious as well. Mm-hmm. It like does Madonna did Madonna think that Matthew Broderick was second best? Right. Or he wasn't expressing his love for Jennifer Grey enough? Mm. So she had to make him I I just <laughs> yeah, yeah. What what else could it be? Um or does express yourself mean you have to break up with someone? Is that what the song's about? I I don't think so. It's not that's not something that occurred to no, me before in the, the
1: story. What mm-hmm. is it when you want it right now? Better show me how. Show me how, right? Express your, what <laughs> you've got
0: ready <laughs> well, or not. I, I never found express yourself to be com- particularly deep lyrically. It's yeah. just kind no. of a poppy song, yeah. right? It's, yeah. I mean, if it, well, it, at, take it at face value, it's like, yeah, like, like get, get your word out, express yourself, tell people know what you want or how you feel. Yeah. That's what I interpreted, but then I don't know the dynamic of their relationship in the first place. So was it smothering and she couldn't express herself? Who knows?
2: Yeah. Right. I did look at the lyrics and there's mentions of like, she's clearly speaking to women. It's like, make mm. him express how he feels. And then yep. towards the end, there's a, he's going to regret, you know, he's going to miss you. He's going to regret not being with you and come back on your knee, his knees <laughs> to you. So mm. definitely a little thread there about breaking up. Yeah. yeah.
1: And to your hmm. point, John, it's a trope by then, because you're, you, you, well, yeah. I guess contemporaneously you had the NWA song, Express Yourself, but that was a mm-hmm. song that sampled from a Charles Wright song from, I don't know, 30 years before that, Express Yourself. So, yeah, I didn't catch any yeah. of that. Um, so <laughs> out maybe there's more in the book. The book, uh, it, it just came right? out uh, on May 3rd, or mm-hmm. is just about to come out. I don't know what today is for you. <laughs> Google
2: it. Go on Google and see
1: what's today's date. I don't know.
2: I thought it was cool that she was married to Clark Gregg. I guess they're not together anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Right. I
2: love Phil Coulson. And they just
0: recently broke up, actually. That was not too long ago. It was during the pandemic, I think. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Madonna, where's that song?
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Clark Gregg.
1: (laughs) Uh, You know, just as a side note, speaking of uh, things that happened during the pandemic, back in 2020, we discussed on the show the as of yet untitled film with Lionsgate that uh, Jennifer Grey was set to star in. We knew it was set in the 1990s. And we, along with everybody else reporting on it, were speculating it might be a Dirty Dancing sequel. While during a CinemaCon in Las Vegas last Thursday, mm-hmm. Lionsgate played original footage from Dirty Dancing with a voiceover saying, Jennifer Grey returns to Kellerman's in the next chapter. Kellerman's is, of course, that uh, Catskills mm-hmm. resort where mm-hmm. the first film took it's place. The lodge, yeah. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. We'll see. Wow. Dirtier dancing. (laughs) Filthy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that was 1980s news because why (laughs) not? Hey all I'm Marvin. I'm Ricardo. I'm Dan.
3: I'm Sarah.
1: And together we're newbie Star Trek, just a bunch of newbies who've never watched Star Trek before watching all of the next generation one episode at a time. This was like the intergalactic Maury Povich show. Yes. <laughs> like Lutan has a new wife. What do you have to say about this? Well, f- that I'm going to fight her to death.
3: There was this weird moment, like the first time she did the, Mm-hmm. I'd like Riker had this weird smile on his face.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like he knows what that sounds like. <laughs> his name is mm-hmm. Baki and he's like the Damon leader. being like the title not one of the Waynes brothers Damon he yeah. is <laughs> What did he do that he was promoted from a Marlin yeah <laughs> and then they stretch out and then they do the old scissor me timbers this is an infamous scene mm-hmm. they're talking <laughs> about the yeah so if you liked any of that you can find us at newbiesstartrek.com. star trek.com that's n-e-w-b-i-e star trek.com
3: or find us wherever you listen to your podcasts
0: I don't know if it was appropriate to say that I always thought that Express Yourself was a song about lactation.
1: Mm. <laughs> Whether you've got it or not, better show me how. Wait. Huh. Yeah, see? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you like the show or you like lactation, please, well, yeah, please rate, review. You know, I just learned, John, this, you know, John has his own podcast that you guys should check out Gen X growing Up. It also comes out every week, talks about stuff like this, but even broader things. Because they cover, because they just talk about being a Gen X grown up. And that could be, you know, Mm. something that's happening right now to us, middle aged. Mm. To our bones. Mm. They talk about arthritis mostly and health issues.
0: Um, (laughs) That's that's not true. Although we did once discuss uh, bidets. That's true.
2: Really?
1: Oh, oh yeah! <laughs> mm-hmm. Is that Fact. something that appeals to our generation? There was a shortage on toilet paper for a while, so
0: that yes, appeals. Yeah. Oh, to us. that <laughs> came <laughs> up as
2: a thing when there was a shortage. Is that when you <laughs> yes. did that actually mm-hmm.
0: during the? Uh... Uh, yeah, I think it was during the pandemic. Yep. Yeah, it was oh. not necessarily related, but I'll pretend that it was. Mm. Mm. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I just heard <laughs> John okay. that they said on uh, you know so one of those the uh, how they don't we don't know how these algorithms work on all the various platforms that help folks find our shows, but I learned mm-hmm. according to Apple just recently they they released enough information to know that. Writing reviews and rating, that helps. But the number one thing you could do to help someone's show be shared with someone else, you know, or be recommended by the service, Mm -hmm. follow, follow, follow. Mm -hmm. So they used to call it subscribe. Now they call it follow because people thought, I guess they cost money. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. So follow Mm -hmm. us on Apple or wherever you listen.
2: That'll help us a lot. And it's free. Yep. It's a very innocuous word too. It's very nice. Very welcoming. Follow? Just it follow. is. It's friendly.
0: Right. Yeah. It's f- yeah. And it puts you in the feed. And so you're not going to miss a single episode. Mm-hmm. And in many cases in your app, it'll auto download and you'll have it on the plane wherever you go. It's super convenient.
1: Mm-hmm. It's funny. I mean, it, con- fun. it depends on context though, right? I mean, so, um, I've been following this girl every day for <laughs>
0: weeks now. All right.
2: <laughs> it could be stalker It depends <laughs> on how oh, you say beat.
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Said no content creator ever.
1: Hey, so like we mentioned, in a little bit, we're going to bring out our guest today, Lily Hirsch, who just expanded her already fabulous book, Weird Al, Seriously. Um, And if you haven't read this book, you should check it out. If you're a fan of Weird Al's, if you're a fan of cool stories, if you're a fan of music, uh, because not only is it a biography, it's more than that. It's more than just a catalog of his music. It's all those things combined. And Lily's Mm -hmm. background is in music. Uh, Mm -hmm. She's uh, a, she have a PhD in, in musicology, I believe. She's written a number of heady books on different uh, sort of types of music and analyzing different angles. But she looks to sort of, you know, learn something and therefore teach us about music. And in this instance, she's trying to see what she to show. I think that uh, humorous music has a plays an important role in our culture, Mm -hmm. one that may be easily sort of overlooked or, you know, uh, discarded. Is that the word? Wow
2: dismissed dismissed did you yeah, i think you said overlooked maybe dismissed yeah. okay, too okay now mm-hmm. you
1: saying marginalized citizens. certainly marginalized yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I think we were getting teased that uh, John is a fan of Weird Al. I think. Mm. Oh boy, is that right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely, hundred percent. Okay, yep. is this going oh. back to uh, the nineteen
0: eighties? Oh, for sure. Yep. Oh, are you kidding me? So yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, you know when you're in, in your vehicle, which I had a, a a old beater pickup truck, and you have the the pseudo vinyl click case of cassettes in the, in the center console, yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's you know wow. it's in, and mine's about thirty percent Alan Parsons, thirty uh, percent Weird Al, and and then the uh-huh. rest is miscellaneous you got your beastie boys and your acdc okay. <laughs> and stuff like that so yeah yeah weird wow. al uh second concert i ever attended uh yeah. i've seen him live about seven times He's oh a spectacular entertainer oh, oh yeah so cool. oh, oh yeah I, I have great respect for him for many many reasons and mm-hmm. i can get into that in a little while i don't want to not hijacking but yes super fan <laughs> you you picked the right show to invite me to to, to visit
1: wow <laughs> Cat, <laughs> what about you? Do you are you a fan?
2: Do you is your fan? Does your fandom go back to the 1980s? All the way back, all the way back. Yep. I loved Weird Al. I wouldn't say I was perhaps as much of an aficionado no. <laughs> as, no. as John here, uh, but I I loved his videos. Um, mm. I, mostly video format, I think, was uh, how I appreciated him. And I think the first one that I saw was Ricky.
1: Yes, that's what that I was caught my exactly. eye. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yep. yep. And then Eat It, of course, after that yeah. was uh, was a big favorite. And I loved Al TV because I loved MTV. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was this, you know, extra enjoyment. I'm a little sad that he wasn't the opening act when I went to see the monkeys. I oh. learned.
1: Was he intended through- to be? No, oh. well, The monkeys should apparently. open for Weird Al. Let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went <laughs> to well, see the monkeys three well, times. Yeah, okay. Right, it does better, right? right, right.
2: Matter, right? <laughs> and uh, but I learned well just this past year that he was the opening act for them at at least one concert. I I don't remember wow. where, but okay. I darn! I, I wish that I that he had been <laughs> even yeah. at the one that I mm-hmm. was at. Yeah, I,
1: I remember Ricky as that. being the video, the first video we saw too, and it just being the talk of the elementary school.
2: Yeah, you know, folks, yeah, yeah. and
1: mm-hmm. the lyrics and imitating the yeah. voice and.
2: I think that's all we needed,
1: but it was during an era where there were so many, I don't want to say there's so many parodies, but there, I guess in a sense there were, I know our local radio station Z100 would do their Mm -hmm. own parodies Mm
2: -hmm. on the radio. Mm -hmm.
1: And then eventually they came out with records that had these things on them. And we would, you know, Mm -hmm. anything we can get that was humorous, you know, uh, seemed Mm -hmm. it, it, especially if it was playing off an existing song seemed kind of, I don't know, dangerous or underground Uh. or edgy anti, you know, (laughs) establishment and anti, Uh you know, our parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Weird Al fit nicely into that
2: absolutely to me it was delightful like the Eat It video I love it because it's so closely following yeah. you know the the, yeah. the Beat It yeah. video but with the crazy all the crazy changes <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's it's the flavor, you, you know. Yeah.
0: So as his albums came out over time, and I, I could look back at any given album, and it's mm-hmm. I look at the cover, you know, and I open look at the track list, and that's like you know that's a snapshot of this period of my life, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, like look at the, you know the Weird Al Yankovic the self titled album, and I you know oh, that's uh, early that's late junior high, and I can look at Alapalooza. Oh. oh, I'm at high school, or or no, I was in college at the time. Correction, you know. Or you look at Poodle Hat, and I go, I remember that I was in college, and I went with my friends to see that concert. It's what? <laughs> I, I never missed a one it was an event i always look forward to and mm-hmm. i think probably like off the deep end is like the is, is the total package album just the, the songs that are in it and the time of my mm-hmm. life but mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. his latest actually he got the most um commercial success with I think he didn't he finally get like a billboard top something he got right. some grammys or something on a he mandatory got fun 10 yeah. with White and nerdy, oh, man. I think, right and, That was the mandatory fun was just it had so many hits that he released them systematically, like every couple of days. And he just he was taking over the world in 2014 with that. And and then I went and saw him uh, live in Orlando with that. I got the VIP ticket and sat in the second row. And oh, yeah. A it phenomenal did, uh, artist. Eight
1: videos for eight days. And I remember when that happened in 2014. So it my, was. My daughter, mm-hmm. my youngest daughter was still was, you know, obviously she was younger then even. And it was a moment mm-hmm. where I was like, all right, this is a good time for you to learn who Weird Al is. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah. sitting her down and watching the videos, you know, and anticipating the videos to come out and watch this! Oh, she loved it. And that, that led to this education, you know, where I was like, let me like, blow your mind by mm-hmm. showing you what he was doing back when I was a kid and then uh, busting out the old uh, 1980s videos.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. You're better than I was. I kind of, <laughs> like when I became a parent, I suddenly were listening to Lori Berkner and Raffi and oh, well, Sesame no. Street no. soundtracks. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. And then I didn't really get back in touch with <laughs> things that I had appreciated right. until... My kids come home from school. It was probably around 2013, 2014, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Mom, you got to see this video of this guy," and they put <laughs> Is it on crimes. I <laughs> know it was it was white and nerdy. <laughs>
0: okay, white and nerdy. But, oh yeah, and, and, and I'm like,
2: That's mm-hmm. weird. Al, I was mm-hmm. I was astonished, yep. and I confess, I did have that reaction of like, Oh, he's still going, but it wasn't out of disbelief. It was out of no, delight. Of was, yeah. So then, yeah, <laughs> I was paying attention again a little bit. I am
0: super <laughs> proud to say that white and nerdy is the ringtone for me on more than one of my friend's cell phones. I love that. That's true.
2: <laughs> like, you
0: know, two, two really cool points. I wanted to, wanted to make one was that yep. for many people, especially for me, yep. there are a lot of songs that I was first exposed to mm-hmm. the weird Al version And then I'm like, I don't know what that's a parody of. I just know it. Right. Uh, right. right. Yoda, for example. (laughs) I'm like, I know Yoda. You know, met him in a swamp down in Dago Bar. We we're at Bubbles all the time. Like, I'm, oh, Lola? Who's Lola? <laughs> Never <laughs> heard of her. I had to go back and find the original song. to Be exposed really? to it. And
2: oh my gosh! Oh yeah, so yeah. Because
0: I I didn't know that much pop music. I, my parents okay. listened to country mostly growing up, and so I didn't know all that older pop stuff. But oh yeah, that
2: one, Yeah, that surprises me about that one. But but some of the yeah, some of his yeah, other things. Yeah. Lily yeah. actually think,
1: points yeah. that out in her book that a number mm-hmm. of folks, you know, that's how mm-hmm. they learn some other. That one of the powers mm-hmm. of Weird Al was expanding folks' music catalogs because yeah, you learn and maybe even even hear the ori- original. But you're still exposed to different genres of music mm-hmm. because you're, with one album, you've got all these different sounding songs because you worked so hard to try to make them sound like the originals.
0: So do you categorize Weird Al songs? I see four categories, basically. polkas, you have, polkas, yeah. you have mm-hmm. parodies, okay. you have originals, right, mm-hmm. and then you have these style parodies where you'll take mm-hmm. a type of song. And make a unique song out of it. But you know, he uh, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but it's one it's very much like a kind of a hip hop beastie boys style, mm-hmm. but it's not parodying any particular song. He just does right. this style parody where it takes okay. a, a flavor of of, of genre. And okay. that's the great thing. He's such a musician that he yeah. mm-hmm. he doesn't mm-hmm. uh he he doesn't he's not locked into one genre or one type. He, he's mm-hmm. a chameleon. He can be whatever kind of mm-hmm. if it is easy, hip hop or is he soul or is he pop or is he rock or whatever, whoever <laughs> is, he just kind of molds into that.
2: Yeah. Well, he's mm-hmm. also such an amazing lyricist. Yeah. I My favorite of his more current ones is Word Crimes. Oh, yeah. Because I think, John, you mentioned that before. And I got mm-hmm. a kick out of, um, it's kind of racy, the, his lyrics in that song. In word Crimes? Listen. Yes. <laughs> listen. Okay. Right. okay so just just very
0: suggestive. A little bit. Go ahead.
2: A <laughs> little subtle raciness. Because number one, because yep. we, well, the origin of that, you know, the original song yes. has a very... You know, have heavy. It's all about sex, right? Controversial, too. It's controversial controversial. too for on different levels. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm glad he made this one. (laughs) So, number one, now he uses the word conjugate. Now that was a buzzword back in the '80s. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. for my friends and I, that was a kind of (laughs) kind of word. Um, Number two. Uh, this might be, I might be looking into this one, but he says, Your participles dangling. <laughs>
0: yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then it's wordplay in the lyrics. So it's yeah. wordplay, yeah. but number
2: three is the best one. He says, Well, you should hire some cunning linguist. Oh,
1: yes. Yep. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. So
2: <laughs> that did leap out to me. Yes. That one, okay. Uh, yeah.
1: You know, it's interesting, though, as you point this out, though, and uh, again, it's something highlighted in Lily's book is that. He's clever with his words like that, but in his real life and his music, he doesn't swear.
0: Right, no, I love very that. Subdued, very subdued, yeah, mm-hmm. Very, mm-hmm. All, super vanilla guy. And you know, <laughs> something that's always struck me about him is, you can't fake being that good of a person mm. for an entire career, yeah. you know? All right. It, 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 so it's like, I don't know him personally, but mm-hmm. the fact, just his reputation, you know, his original band, he's kept the entire time. Yeah. If you are, if you are a closet asshole, you're going to piss off the people closest to you. You're going to run them <laughs> off or you're going to, I don't need you. I'm weirdo, Yankovic. I'll go and right. hire some studio musicians. He keeps mm-hmm. those guys. He's close to them all the time. And he absolutely, in he, he keeps them close, makes sure they're taken care of and doesn't mm-hmm. abandon them. And they return that in kind. And that makes me like mm-hmm. his music even more and want to reward him and buy his stuff because it's not just fun. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I'm supporting someone who is clearly a genuinely good person to the people around him. And is um, so word I'm looking for, he's, um, Uh, he's he's faithful. He's, uh, you know, he's, Mm -hmm. he's he's caring about those people around. You can't fake that. You know, you do Mm -hmm. it for 20 minutes at an interview, but not for your entire (laughs) life. Yeah.
2: What John just said made me think back to sting. Us talking about sting. He's the inverse sting. Yes. Opposite. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. He didn't Uh need to grow. He's, he was already where he wanted to be. All right. He was able to grow as
1: a member of the same band. Yes. Mm -hmm. Sting. Off your high horse or whatever it is you have up there. And that (laughs) is probably
0: a Pegasus.
2: (laughs) what What about teamwork make the dream work (laughs) growth happens that way so
0: I'll give you one more (laughs) nugget of data is that through the uh, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon game I've kind of dated Weird Al Yankovic because in (gasps) junior college I dated (laughs) a girl who dated John Bermuda Schwartz
1: oh No
0: kidding. Therefore, I dated, so you dated everyone that she's dated, right? So anyway, so oh. yeah, like she she had Weird Al's number okay. in her phone. She would not give it to me.
1: Yeah. All right. Oh. Hey, considering that John knows a whole lot about Weird Al, let's test Cat instead. Because once again, it's time to play.
2: Liar! 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 Okay, so
1: here's what I got for you. Considering, you know, like Al's clever. I'm not clever. So maybe you'll just see right through my uh, uh, charade here. But I've got a, 10 song names here. Five of them Ooh. are real weird Al songs.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. Five of them aren't. Mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm.
0: Something like mm-hmm. that. I don't
1: know. Maybe more, maybe less.
0: So this Is this a, a true false game? Come on. Sort of.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so easy, okay. Will. Lay it on us. So I'll tell we you, what. I'll let Kat get the first crack, John, because you can picture Love the out al- the backs of the albums, you know, and probably just look in your, what is that Sherlock Holmes talks about? His mind palace. His mind palace. My mind palace. He's got a mind record store.
2: And they look like the faux leather cassette boxes in his truck. That's what That's <laughs> yes, what his right. brain looks like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, all right. So I'm going to give you these songs. Uh, Kat, you tell me whether these are really a Weird Al song or not. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. First one. Uh, and this is, look, a parody of a police song. King of Suede. Uh, is that a real police, uh, real Al uh, song or not?
2: Is mm-hmm. That a real, y- Yes. True. That's right. <laughs>
1: Ding, ding. Yes. <laughs> All right, number two. Uh, now you know a lot of his songs. Obviously, we know this par—these parodies involve food. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, ultimately mm-hmm. he becomes a vegan, right? But uh, some of them, you know, involve even meat-related products. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, number two, we don't need another hero sandwich. <laughs> is in parentheses.
2: <laughs> um, but, uh, par- uh,
1: parodying uh, the uh, Tina Turner song, of course.
2: Yes, indeed, you are. Uh, that's funny, and it wouldn't surprise me. But I'm going to say no. That's right. <laughs> All
1: right, Number three here. Girls just want to have lunch. Oh, man. You know, the Cyndi Lauper song turned into Yes. Turn another food of type. John just dying to jump in here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there is a gap. There's a gap in my knowledge. Okay. And- is it a John sized gap? It's probably a John sized gap. I pass. I pass. John, I want you to pipe up here.
0: it's you. It's all you. It's not friend. It's just a friend. Yeah,
1: you're
0: gonna. The number you have reached. Hello. Hi. Hi, Cat. What's up? It's John. What's going on? How are you? John, what are you going to do for me?
2: I need your help. Did Weird Al make a song called Girls Just Want to Have Lunch?
0: Absolutely, he did. I say yes. Final answer.
2: That's fine.
1: Let's see. How about. Cable TV, which is actually a parody of an uh, Elton John song,
2: Hercules. Oh, uh, oh, I'm trying to tell by John's face. You know, it <laughs> occurs
1: me. We didn't even talk about UHF. I mean, a fantastic movie. I love that movie as a kid. Such a perfect, uh, you know, sort of a compliment or extension of his uh, talents. Mm. As I try to sway a cat, either way, here.
2: Cable he, TV. You just gave me a clue. I'm going to say true. <laughs> yes. Oh, um, yes, that's right. He did oh. do that. Yes,
0: he did. I was lying. Yeah. What's well, <laughs> not Dare to be stupid. Come on now. John's yeah. he like nodding her, her, his, her, her,
1: his head, head yeah. and
2: you're going... Yeah, yeah, I'm
1: just kidding. <laughs> All right. That's How sneaky. about Supio.
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: Remember this one, John? Supio? All right. I'm oh, oh, sorry, Cat. Do you want to answer? Blank
0: face. I'm giving nothing away.
1: He's giving a polka
0: face.
2: <laughs> okay, True. 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 <laughs>
0: Oh. oh man,
2: no. that was actually a f- although
0: polka face, it was a parody. That's so, true. Here we go.
2: and that was clever.
1: <laughs> and mm-hmm. Susupio was actually a fake parody that they referred to Weird Al as having made on the show Thirty Rock. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, all right, okay. here you go. How about uh, owner of a
2: stolen car? <laughs> what the heck? I'll say yes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no. Oh man.
0: Not to be confused with stop dragging my car around. Yes. There you go. That's right. I I was inspired. How about
1: living
2: with a hernia? I feel bad. I want to phone my friend. Okay. John. John. Hey, Kat, what's up? Will you help me again, please?
0: Absolutely. What's going on?
2: Okay. Wait, what was the song title again? (laughs)
0: Living with a hernia. Is that a Living with a hernia.
2: Is that a weird answer? I love your commitment.
0: 100% yes, absolutely. Yes, say yes, final answer. I love your commitment
1: to the, uh, what is this, the scene you're doing here? <laughs> the the ennui of yeah. the entirety.
0: Ennui. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> the a <Yeah. gestalt>. Maison <laughs> scene. The gestalt, that's what it oh, is. I go. love that. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. All right, here we go. A couple more here. Uh,
2: I'm crazy for shoes.
1: Oh, the Imelda Marcos parody he meant. Mm. It, it,
2: it wouldn't surprise me. Mm. Um... I, this is fun phoning, John, so I'm going to do it one more time. Or could you just
1: cut to John? Do you know? It or not?
2: John, do you know?
1: He's no already on the line. Heard. Final you answer. Can you help me out, please? No. He's already there. That's, oh, sorry.
2: Thanks. That's right. It's <laughs> not.
1: <laughs>
2: just stay on the line, John. Oh, he's,
1: what about okay, his... Okay, gotcha. What about his minute?
2: <laughs> I thought he's been on the line. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no one buying into this anyway. All right, whatever. We dropped the call. Uh, I had to call him back. i don't to have to make him sound like he's on the phone AT&T. now. There's a lot of production values in this thing. <laughs> All right, what about his parody of uh, the uh, Men at Work song? It's a meat steak. It's a oh. meat steak.
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> I kind of hope not. He's a vegan now. But <laughs> he is a vegan now. It. John.
0: No, no, That's no, right, no, it's not.
2: No. Ding, ding. Yeah.
1: And finally, is a uh, parody of Eye of the Tiger, the Rye or the Kaiser. <laughs> also known as the theme from Rocky 8.
2: <laughs> Rocky 8 oh my gosh i uh i love this i want it to be true mm. so i'm gonna say true it is
1: true Woo! it is
0: true its true Yeah, not an elderly rocky <laughs> oh man that's a great one. i heard that one just the other day that's oh, right wow <laughs> Oh my
2: guys yep let I see i gotta fill in some gaps here
0: <laughs> oh goodness all right hey. just just yeah. Mm, yeah. just weird al put it on like shuffle and enjoy your day it's gonna makes for a great weekend absolutely oh, yeah
1: yep and let's talk to the woman who spoke directly with Weird Al. She doesn't have the connection that John does. Uh, I almost said something really crass, but I'm not going to say it. Um, we're, we'll be, hey, we'll be back in a moment with our guest today, author Lily Hirsch. Get the spray bottle ready, Pablo. One of us might
0: need to get tamed let's go welcome, welcome to the two and a half, half citizens podcast. podcast i'm zen i'm roman and i'm pablo And well, we're here to talk to you about all things internet from the cryptos to the stonks from the reds to the blues we're bringing it all to you every thursday so come to the right side of the fence and check out the two and a half citizens podcast and bring some salsa because we probably have
1: tacos <laughs> Our guest today has a Ph.D. in musicology from Duke University, a degree which she put to impressive use, authoring books about music during the Nazi era and another analyzing how music has been employed in crime prevention and punishment. Most recently, she turned her academic attention to humorous music, while a different area of the subject One arguably as important, the newly expanded edition of our guest's book, Weird Al, Seriously, weaves together original interviews with Yankovic himself, provides greater insight on the Prince of Parody, and ultimately reveals that his jests have always had a deeper meaning. You can get Weird Owl seriously wherever books are sold. visit bookshop.org to purchase your copy from an independent bookstore near you. Please welcome to the show, Lily Hirsch.
3: Hi, thanks so much for having me, Will and Kat. Oh, Hi, Lily.
1: It's our absolute pleasure. You <laughs> yes. uh, Of course, we've been talking about earlier on the show how you have one you've written this wonderful book about one of our favorite subjects, Weird Al. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're so excited to talk to you about it. I think this is the best chance we have of getting Weird Al on the show. Is having you on the show and maybe oh. somehow, you know, that greases the wheels. I don't know.
3: That's not why we're having
1: you here. That sounds terrible now. Like I'm just taking advantage of you here. No, no, no.
3: I feel like I need to impersonate him or something. This could go really oh, badly.
1: No. Oh, no. No, no. All right. Take two. Uh, so, yeah. Okay.
2: No, so, you have to be yourself.
1: Yes, of course. Uh, so, <laughs> You know, you're, you, I expected, I'll be honest with you, I expected that your book was going to be a biography, but it's so much more than a biography or mm-hmm. a, even mm-hmm. a catalog of Al's works. It, it's those things. So folks should know it is definitely that, but its it a, includes a larger analysis of Al's work in larger contexts. Um, and, yeah. you know, I should have caught this early on, right? Because you're going to talk about where to hell that, that seriously has, I don't know, multiple meanings. And- you know, mm-hmm. than the face value, or the I, I judged your book by its cover. I guess is what I'm saying. How could you? <laughs> Since the book is peppered with your own editorials, it, it seemed easy to you know. It seemed safe to assume that you were a fan as much Cat and I were growing up, listening to his music. So it wasn't until mm-hmm. the O. Henry twist at the end in the afterward that you revealed you had listened to opera over pop music growing up and favored classical music. For, I just want to know yeah. about that. How <laughs> in your youth do you grow up listening to that over just top 40, I guess?
3: Right. Yeah, that is a mystery. And it's something that my brother still wonders about because he was the one who was into MTV and aware of what was actually happening in pop culture. And yep. somehow I was. I was in my own world um, with the classical music, but I, you know, I was involved with music. I sang, I was in a choir, I I played the piano, I took voice lessons. I was very focused on classical music and maybe one day being an opera singer, I had these, these ideas. Mm. So, um, yeah, so I spent a lot of time doing that. And I just wasn't really aware of other things. you <laughs> um.
2: <That's> so crazy. <laughs> I can identify with that. Duran yeah. Duran yeah. was
1: popular cat. Other people knew who Duran Duran was.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but everything else, <laughs> it was to the exclusion of everything else.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. No, I think maybe one of, yeah, I... Uh, yeah, I was, I was a little behind with all of that. I had a Millie Vanilli CD or mm, tape, really? I guess. That, that didn't, that didn't go well. I just, I, I, you, I just didn't quite get a foot in the door of you know, pop culture you, for a while. I feel bad I that
1: you that. determined whether you're going to pursue popular music based on Manil, Milli Vanilli. That's right. Give us another chance. That's right.
3: That went badly. And I was like, I'm
1: done. (laughs) Wow. You know, not ironically, that's not the right word, but coincidentally, a tape of Millie Vanilli went bad for the band too, which is what ended their career. Oh, Ooh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and part of what, uh, you know, Al celebrates in his music and you point out in this book is sort of otherness, I guess, folks that are, yeah. you know, he's celebrating the folks that don't necessarily fit in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some of what mm-hmm. he writes about, or you write about and how he sings about is anti-bullying, these messages. And he, mm-hmm. he takes on the characters mm-hmm. of folks who might otherwise be, you know, looked at as odd in their communities. Mm-hmm. So now we're just interviewing you Lily. as a person who listens to opera music in your school. <laughs> I mean, are you, the, are you the weird Al in a sense? Are you, are,
3: well, I is, do, you know, I saved that tidbit for the afterward and yeah. in, in the expanded paperback edition and mm-hmm. the hardback version, the first version from 2020, I didn't say anything about whether or not I was a fan. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. really focused on weird Al and, and the significance of that. And I really wanted to make the argument about Humorous music Mm. and how important that is in so many ways, and the talent behind that. Mm -hmm. I was so focused on that I didn't really want to put myself into it. Uh But um, it became such a personal project just as I got to know some of the fans and some of the podcast people that deal with Weird Al. And it Mm -hmm. was—it's been such a lovely community. I—I felt like opening up a bit and and revealing this. And I I thought they would understand. I think I was maybe worried Mm -hmm. they wouldn't accept the book if I if I wasn't truly a a Weird Al fan up front. Um, so I, and I did phrase it in that, you know, I really was a Weird Al fan. I just didn't know it because (laughs) I have these outsider tendencies. Mm -hmm. Um, I, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I, I didn't experience bullying and some of the things that Weird Al and other people have experienced, Um, but you know, I got some looks. I was into the classical music. I was very bad at sports Mm -hmm. and I was at a, at a high school that was very into sports. Um, and I really advertised that by joining the swim team, um, for some reason. (laughs) And I, uh, I was actually on, uh, I was on junior varsity as a junior and senior. I've heard that some schools don't even allow you to do that. If you can't be a a real sports player by the time you're Mm. a senior, you don't even get to be on the team. But I was, and I, I, did once race a varsity race by accident. I actually jumped in the pool when I was not supposed to. Wow! Everyone was out of the pool by the time I finished because oh, that's wow. what I was. Yeah. It was awesome. Oh, and because I was known, I was known at the school for the music mm-hmm. um, and someone had convinced me to go to one of the sporting events, a big football rivalry with the school. Um, I, and once there, I was asked to sing the national anthem. Oh, wow. wow. And this was another great moment for the outsider because I agreed, even though that's not something I had ever done. And <laughs> I I went up there, sang the national anthem, got the words mixed up oh, no. in front of, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's two orthas or the land of the free mm-hmm. or the oh. ramparts. There's a couple orthas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I got to one of the or and I said, or the something that's right. It was a proud moment oh. for all the outsiders out there. <laughs> you said something. Literally <laughs> like that's I said, said something. <laughs> I went ahead. I knew better as a singer, yeah. you know, you just fake it till you make it. You keep going. Mm-hmm. But for mm-hmm. some reason I found the whole situation hilarious. And I wow. I went ahead and said, said something and I got booed. Oh. I got booed. Yeah, yeah, it was one of <laughs> it was one of those experiences. Oh man! I thought, <laughs> yeah,
1: I thought nearly that was going to be the story of how you know you talk about Weird Al. So you know he started studying architecture. He was going to be he was going to be an architect.
3: Mm-hmm. We learned in yeah. the
1: book here and studying at uh, Cal Poly that he went from being sort of a you know again sort of an outcast and in, uh, in in college even or you know at this academic mm-hmm. level and then becoming the DJ there it seemed like things started mm-hmm. to turn around creating a new persona. I thought mm-hmm. your story was going to be that. It wasn't. It was the opposite. So, so Al, look, for so folks who don't know, Al started out studying architecture. That was his original goal because folks had encouraged him, and he had the mind and aptitude for it. He was a valedictorian in high school. So, you know, learning that about him, and certainly building a you know structure, a building, or engineering a building is, I think, su- superficially is different than creating a song. But in in, in speaking with Al, who contributed mm-hmm. to the book, I should point that out. Did you did you learn or see how maybe he some of the theories and practices he would have applied as an architect also came into play creating his uh, iconic music?
3: Well, there is a meticulousness, mm-hmm. you know. I, I think sometimes people, well, a lot of people have dismissed parody as something, you know, kid stuff, something like this. But the way Al approaches his parody writing, as well as his uh, as, as the style parodies, it is very careful and methodical, mm-hmm. and he has these notebooks and. Just filled with different versions, trying to get the the s- a syllabic match and the and the right rhythm and the right sound and and all of this. And there is this kind of building and layering um, mm. uh, in in the music, but also in the ideas. And you know, he is building a world. A lot of these songs, uh, he creates a whole character. He creates a whole other place. So I I do feel like there is mm. a correlation between. Uh, his studies and and then the music, this mm-hmm. kind of building of worlds.
2: One thing that we learn um, in your book is how Weird Al is um, uh, super calculating with his songwriting and um, he, and composing many versions of lyrics until he finds the funniest version or or the one that fits, you know the whatever whatever rhythm he's doing is his love of words possibly related to why he chooses not to use profanity or obscenities in his songs and in his
3: life. I was really curious about that. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't ask him directly, but it makes sense. Um, I feel like sometimes using obscenities is the easy way to go. Mm-hmm. And he's often really thinking about the different word possibilities. Mm-hmm. There, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot more creativity, I think, there. And he also, you know, strives to be somewhat family friendly. So mm-hmm. um, I think there's a combination there. You know, he's mm-hmm. got this, he's rather clean living. It all kind of goes with his... Mm-hmm his persona and and who he is and his comfort level with being who he is, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm so looking forward to this upcoming movie because they're going to flip all of that on its head. (laughs) (laughs) And all of a sudden we have this like parody of Weird Al's life, this hard partying version that never existed. I'm going to
1: be honest with you. (laughs) I can't wait. I'll be honest with you, Lily. I think that'll be hilarious. But I complained Mm -hmm. on the show when we first heard that was coming out only because, and now, especially after having (laughs) reading your book is Mm -hmm. his story. The straightforward story of it is great and would Uh make for a wonderful Uh biopic and deserving of it.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe in the future they can do the true biopic and really do the full documentary and all of that. But this is hilarious because it's a, it's so him. It's this parody. It's this folding of worlds Mm -hmm. and the fact that it's, Harry Potter. The fact that we have Daniel Radcliffe, yes. you know yes. that layering. It's like a, it's like a all of these cultural yes. references on top of each other. That's mm-hmm. so weird. Out. Yeah. Yes. So I think this is so fun. I can't wait. But if there's room for the biopic. Yeah. That's for the future. I can't wait for that yeah. too. Yeah. No.
1: Yeah. When when I we read about it, certainly I did admit it's 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 mm-hmm. what you would expect, and of course you know it seems so clever and inconsistent with his brand. Um. We so, just have to
2: find know. out the true story by looking at the opposite of whatever oh, is, is in there. <laughs> well, you could just read
1: uh, yeah. Lily's book here. We're, or oh, you can, yeah. We can <laughs> um, yes. So look, I, I kind of, you know, sort of glossed over it or glanced over I went, I went, I blew by it really quickly there that Weird Al actually participated. That was another thing mm-hmm. that, um, you know, there's so mm-hmm. many biographies and biography like books that don't actually have participants or uh, don't have the subject participating. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. enough about Weird Al to know whether he would be someone open to that, but I was so excited to see that he did participate. What was it like getting him involved and yeah. in, in ultimately working with him.
3: That was amazing. And I don't quite realize, I didn't quite realize how amazing that was until later. <laughs> oh. um, I had this idea. I wanted to write about funny music. I often write about categories and music mm-hmm. that's dismissed mm-hmm. or somehow disparaged unfairly. That's kind of been a theme. And I mm-hmm. wanted to do something with funny music because I've always thought that funny music is amazing and it takes true talent. And it take, and it, in some ways it's takes musicianship, uh, uh to the next level mm-hmm. because you have to really understand music to be able to flip it inside mm-hmm. side out. Mm-hmm. Um so I wanted to do something with that and Weird Owl was the first person that came to mind maybe because of my childhood in the eighties. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> um so I reached out uh, to see if I could get that interview because I didn't want to write uh, a book without the subject's involvement. Um, uh, I had written a biography of a female musicologist who had, had died. Um, and I wanted her family involved. I didn't want to just represent someone's life or, or talk about their work without, them uh, approving of that. It just didn't felt, feel right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have actually done the project um, if Weird Al had not Um, Agreed to the interview. Interesting. Um, Okay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't think that would have felt right. Yeah. Um, So I was so so excited when I did get granted the interview, Um, Mm -hmm. and I have interviewed people in classical music, but I had not interviewed someone like Weird Al before. (laughs) Um, And I and I was kind of wondering how how is this going to go? And I reached out some to some other writers I know, and uh, one explained how he had interviewed this big celebrity and. For a book, and first it was the phone call, and then it was the at home visit. Mm. Um, but Weird Al invited me directly to his house, wow. which I thought was also really amazing. Mm-hmm. They didn't do any sort of you know vetting, mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, they didn't, they just said, Come on wow. over. That's amazing. <laughs> I saw it that in amazing. the book, and like, Wow, yep. I could not believe it. I could not believe how nervous I was, sure. and I had this. <laughs> Mm-hmm. whole experience trying to figure out what to bring mm-hmm. because I'm coming to Weird Al's house, you know, as a good guest you have to bring your host <laughs> something, <laughs> but what do you bring to Weird Al? Yes, I was so so in my head oh. and I know he doesn't drink, he's very clean living. I couldn't just bring a bottle yep. of wine. Mm-hmm. I yeah, so I I brought um, some local candies from my hometown. Uh, okay. Um, and then I and then I decided to bring one of my books, just so he knows I actually can write, and you know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. This is legitimate. Yeah.
3: Yes, and on the way, I told myself, you know, do not hand him this book and say, "I hope you don't find any word crimes," because that would be ridiculous, <laughs> and he's probably heard that a million times. Uh-huh. Um, but. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I got very nervous. And the thing I told myself not to say right. was then the only thing I could think right. of to say. So that is, of course, what I said. Uh-huh. And yeah, and thank goodness he didn't say, get out. Sure, <laughs> so, very gracious. Is, it, is yeah. it the kind of
1: thing? So had you, at this point, been learn, and, and now you said you wouldn't uh, obviously write the book without his participation. So is there mm-hmm. enough time between knowing he's going to participate and meeting him that you've already done all this research and work and reading about his life, et cetera, so that when you meet him, this thing that was abstract yeah. is now sitting wow. on a couch near you. It's surreal, <laughs> is it? Huh.
3: That's a great question because there was this real rushed process. I had done some background reading, I'd written a proposal for the publisher, hoping to get this interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I actually saw that the interview was gonna happen, and there was some time with scheduling, um, so then I, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to now look <laughs> and listen to absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I went through just this wild deep dive with a notebook and I'm wildly taking notes, just trying to get my hands on absolutely everything mm-hmm. to prepare and, you know, taking, you know, writing questions and it, that was kind of a wild phase and my kids were quite young and they were, you know, running around trying to figure out what I was doing. And, um, my, uh, my son was, I think just five at the time. And he just from being around all that it became a massive weird Al fan. He learned love all the lyrics to Albuquerque singing Amish paradise was very, It was a kind of wild time. It was during the summer. So Mm -hmm. they were, they were just, it was, it was pretty funny. So I did that deep dive and I did as best I could Mm -hmm. with the first round of questions. Um, I did, uh, of course, come up with things I should have asked as soon as I left his house, but they, they were very kind. And I did a follow-up phone interview Mm -hmm. later on once I was writing and I was able oh. to email a few times. So um, so yeah, <laughs> it worked out, but there was kind of a mad dash at one point. <laughs> you know,
1: in the 1980s, and I, since we're in 1980s pop culture podcasts, we should probably say the 1980s every now and then. In the 1980s, <laughs> y- you talk about Weird Al. He had, look, he had predecessors. He had uh, inspirations, folks that had, you know, inspired him to follow this path. Uh, many of uh, artists that he had heard on Dr. Demento ultimately becomes a, a mentor to him. We were listening to Dr. Demento in the 1980s. Um, what is it that, and, and he has some peers and contemporaries, there's, you know, various local DJs that were recording sort of, you know, uh, these sort of, uh, you know, goofy uh, songs, etc. What is it about Al that allows him to, but pre-internet, fight past all that, you know, somehow not only rise, I guess let's focus on the 80s again, but that, that's our era. Uh, be be a, a standout in that decade. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, that's interesting. He really caught fire and it's hard to know exactly why. I do think he was very sensitive to the current fads and what was hitting it big. He really was careful to pay attention to Mm -hmm. what was the zeitgeist and he would capitalize on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he would and then he was so clever in how he worked that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Michael Jackson was that big moment. You know, he was a big moment. And Weird Al took it and, and flipped it <laughs> and really capitalized on that. He became the eat it guy for a while. Right. Um, and, um, and he seemed to just consistently do that. He um, did that again, you know, when he uh, parodied Nirvana. Mm. Um, that was a crucial moment. That was actually when I really first became aware of Weird Al was the okay. was the Nirvana parody. Yep, yep, so I yep. kind of missed the 80s, sadly, right. even though I'm on this podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> get out. Go. <get> <laughs> but I know that was the moment. You know, MTV mm-hmm. was just starting. Yes. Weird Al was providing them amazing video uh, content. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and 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 he was just he was right there for all of those kind of convergence of factors.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, Lily, yep. don't worry about it. I am learning all kinds of things by being part of this podcast that I somehow missed in the eighties.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You can appreciate the eighties in hindsight. Yes. yeah. (laughs) I'm
1: surprised, you know, it strikes me now in this era of the, of YouTube where we've democratized producing anything. Uh, You can publish anything, anytime, Mm -hmm. anywhere, you know, whether you get Mm -hmm. seen or rise sort of, you know, out of the, you know, separate the what chaff wheat from the chaff or cream rising, whatever, uh, <laughs> metaphor you want to use but that in the 1980s you you know you talk about him being aware of the zeitgeist and then responding mm-hmm. that they would have the speed to production necessary to do that you know yeah, that he could right. do like a surgeon fast enough to capitalize on like a virgin that's now it just occurs to me that's kind of surprising in an era pre-digital
3: mm-hmm. yeah he did he he did capitalize he did work fast and i know it became more of a challenge later on and that's part of the reason he he stopped doing albums he wanted to be able to release mm-hmm. it as as soon as it happened, as mm-hmm. soon as it was hot, you know, because production did really speed up and things changed so quick, you know, it really mm-hmm. um, all, all of that sped up and it's really hard to even locate the central popular thing now because there's so much happening at yeah. once. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he, he was able to, and he did, he did, you know, capitalize quickly, get permission. He was always so careful to immediately reach out for permission and, Um, You mentioned Madonna. I mean, Madonna helped him out there. He, she did, she did that. She, that was her idea though. Only parody Mm -hmm. suggestion he ever accepted. Madonna. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I guess.
1: Yeah. If Madonna gives you an idea, you're probably, yeah, you're sort of compelled to use it. What do you do?
3: Oh, Oh yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Madonna could tell me to jump off a cliff. I would probably, well, let's hope I would. But <laughs> yeah, wait, wait. you've got to listen to Madonna. Figure out a safe way to do it. Yeah.
1: Did, yeah. Uh, did, you, did yeah. you learn about any uh, artist who um, turned him down? So he's ready to go and an artist would not let him use, use the song. And obviously we know legally he didn't need the permission because it's parody is protected, right. but right. He, he, he's a gentleman enough not to go forward. Were there other songs that he shelved as a result of not getting the artist's cooperation
3: yeah there's quite a few stories um i think the biggest one that always comes up is prince Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was kind of like the white whale for weird al because he had a few ideas there that he just couldn't that wouldn't prince would not grant him any sort of permission so Hmm. he didn't get to do that although he does do a few prince references now and again Mm -hmm. in other songs Mm -hmm. um there are some other ones too um there was some confusion with lady gaga um, that was an interesting story, um, but it eventually worked out in the end. Um, and then you have other ones like uh, Eminem, um, the, where he granted permission for the parody, but not the video. Oh, um, there was some concern okay. that Weird Al as Eminem would be a problem. Hmm. Um, so hmm. that, that video never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's lots of really fascinating stories or, you know, people that were bothered, had granted permission, then maybe... Uh, you know, Rescinded there's it. the famous one with Coolio, oh. who wasn't happy after the fact, but has since said it, it's all fine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, but Weird Al, you're right. He never needed to ask permission. This is legally protected. Parody is an art form mm-hmm. and it has such a long historical um, background and history. Um, it, you know, it's so much a part of art history. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but Weird Al still always wanted to ask permission. And that's part of this nice guy reputation mm-hmm. that that is well-deserved. You mentioned
1: the Eminem video. Um, I can't imagine what the problem would have been necessarily, but because as we know, he usually, Al usually, I, I can't call him Al, but I'm going to call him Al just because you're here, Lily. But, you know, vicariously, I feel like maybe I can do it.
3: I would otherwise say <laughs> okay. Mr. Yankovic,
1: I think. But he would make himself up as the artist. And I thought it was really neat to read about how not only musically was he trying to create songs that folks might listen to on the radio and not know yet whether it was really beat it or eat it. But that Mm -hmm. the videos, that was one of the goals, too, that you're flipping Mm -hmm. through the channels and you might leave it on until, wait a second, that's not (laughs) Michael Jackson. That's so much fun.
3: Yeah, it is really interesting, and he doesn't do that with all the videos, but yeah. with that one, he did. He was able to, mm-hmm. you know, get the same sets and mm-hmm. really try to do a recreation. Um, but the voice, the, the trying to trick these listeners, so it's this this second left turn. Not only are, is the subject matter or mm-hmm. the jokes within the song some sort of left turn, but also just this very listening to it, thinking you're listening to the original and then you go, Oh, hold on. That's weird (laughs) out. It's just, it's just a laugh right off the bat. Yeah. Right. Did you mention any like
1: what during, I think we got this question from someone on our Facebook page, Megan, I think it was um, whether or not you got an indication of what maybe what his favorite song or music video is that he's Mm. uh, created
3: hmm Oh, I never asked him that. I wonder I wonder if he would be able to choose. Yeah. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah, I don't I don't I don't know the answer to what his personal favorite is. I know some of the favorites of the fans. No.
1: Of course, um, yeah. <laughs> do you have a favorite Lily? Or favorites? Do I have a
3: favorite yeah. video? Tell us, yeah. A favorite video. <laughs> is it from oh the nineteen eighties? So- <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. I don't know if I have a favorite. Oh, my goodness. I have so many that I find very, very interesting. I love the layering, the Mm -hmm. the kind of conversation that happens in parody where Mm -hmm. he takes a song that's one way and then really makes it something else entirely. And and one of my favorite things was how he did that with these kind of really macho songs, (laughs) like the (laughs) the taco grande. This was the Rico (laughs) suave. Originally, it was just kind of this very like toxic masculine. And he takes it and makes it all about how much he loves Mexican food. And I just, those sort of moments, he's got a few of those and I just love it. He kind of saves some of those songs for me, like, uh, Blurred Lines is another mm-hmm. one of these with that kind of mm-hmm. uh, kind of terrible history around Robin Thicke mm-hmm. and some of the you know, the naked women and it's you know and the man gets to be dressed and it's this kind of right. Uh, right. Uh, objectification yeah. all of this plus the history around Robin Thicke mm-hmm. and then you've got Weird Al who t- saves the song because I really like the, the it's got this great yeah. beat and right. got this great sound yeah and he yeah. takes that same sound I like and he makes it a, a grammar lesson yes. it's just like <laughs> ugh brilliant love it.
2: brilliant yes
3: and then instead of the dance naked women you've got dancing uh exclamation points and yes. punctuation yes. And it just makes the original seem so ridiculous and i just love it
2: absolutely i don't yeah. know if you noticed will did that in the beginning he corrected himself yeah you um said something about something being ironic and then you oh, said I know Well no, ironic. it's not ironic to-
3: it's cool well lily's here i gotta and that's be- in the- <laughs> I yes, I here. saw you playing with phrases too. You were talking about, uh, you just, the phrase, you're like, am I saying it right? The chaff, the wheat. R- I can't even remember what I, I it was. I see you
1: redlining me in, in, you know, in, the, in, the, in my head. No, here,
3: but I, I love that because Weird Al loves yeah. those phrases. And mm-hmm. I just kept finding that in the music where he's taking little aphorisms and little phrases and playing with them like in Dare to be Stupid. And so it yeah. seems that you were interested oh, in yeah. that sort oh, of wordplay also.
1: language, yeah. You know, you pointed out yeah. about his, uh, like, Taco Grande. Uh, how this, it's, you know, a song that parodies not only the music, but this, uh, you know, toxic masculinity in a couple of songs. So you, you also talk about in the book, how he's, you know, basically a shoes, a shoes, is that the right word? Uh, shoes.
2: Shoes?
1: A shoes.
3: A shoes. A shoes. A shoes. <laughs> I thought you said a uh, Jews. Oh. I was like, what? Okay. What's happening in the eighties? Oh,
1: no. In the eighties, that kind of thing is probably flying. Uh, uh, yeah
3: absolutely Um, (laughs) Absolutely. but that you know
1: he he tends to avoid or try to avoid political you know making it Mm -hmm. direct certainly overt political or social commentary but Mm -hmm. as you Mm -hmm. point out in the book he has songs that are taking you know taking a not a stand but a position i suppose on gun ownership Mm -hmm. beauty standards Mm -hmm. uh bullying like we talked about gender roles he tries Mm -hmm. to flip flop and Mm -hmm. does he do that is he mindful of that like this is something that needs to be lampooned or, or, you know, needs to be taken down a peg or is it just how his, he doesn't realize he's necessarily doing it.
3: Isn't that interesting? I really wanted to get into all of these sort of heavy topics Mm -hmm. and get answers. And he often would make jokes and he was just a delight to talk to. Mm -hmm. Um, But I couldn't always get to the bottom of things like that. (laughs) Um, I did point out, you know, some of, I I pointed out the toxic masculinity and he actually used that phrase, verse. And I, and I pointed out how often that seems to come up mm-hmm. and, I, you know, why is that? And he said, said something like, well, it deserves to be taken mm-hmm. down, something like this. But mm-hmm. I don't know if he did it uh you know, consciously, it seems like something he was, is attracted to. Right. He's attracted to doing that to those sorts of songs. And he says they deserve right. it. Um, but I, I uh, he did not admit to some sort of program of doing that, okay. um, mm-hmm. or, or some sort of, uh, he, with the trigger happy, that was the one that takes on gun ownership. And that is an issue he cares about. And he admits to caring about that. That's not something I went and interpreted. He, you know, it d- is not a fan of guns. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also knows that parody because of kind of the interpretive possibilities in parody, a lot of people Miss the point of that song, you know. Mm-hmm. Think it's actually some sort of celebration of gun ownership, which is right. is not his not his point. Right. Um, right. So there's there's a lot of plausible deniability mm. in all of this, um, even though <laughs> I think it's there. You know, it's interesting because mm-hmm.
1: you, you mm-hmm. make me think now that you you set out to study humor in music, and and I don't know if you had any a take you wanted to find out it was true or not, or how about that? Did you have a sort of thought, a thesis that you were setting out to prove or disprove even before you thought of Weird Al?
3: Well, it was an easy one. I just wanted to make it clear that you can do a lot through humor Mm -hmm. and that humor and music is significant. It was, it was a pretty easy point to make, Mm -hmm, I thought. mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to make sure to show the work behind the music with Weird Al. And that was something, you know, when he was talking about all that went into it Mm -hmm. and his band members, what they were talking about and the engineering that went into that, that was a really easy point to make that this is taking some true musicianship. Um, But I did also want to talk about what you can do through... Humorous music, the points you can make, Mm -hmm. um, and also the escape you can provide, and that that's something significant. And that became more important when I was writing this afterward. And as I was thinking about this book again Mm -hmm. um, during the pandemic and getting to add in this expanded edition, I started to think of more of these uses of humor and the significance. And sometimes, you know, that catharsis and that. Mm. Uh, coping, in addition to the subversion, these are all kind of important things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so those were all uh, things that I was able to bring out, but my original thesis that it was significant that you can do a lot through humor, but those were, those were easy points to make.
2: Yeah. I, I, Lily, just along what you were talking about with humor, I really yeah. appreciated your discussion. You said um, humor is a universal healthcare <laughs> and, yeah. and the concept, concept mm-hmm. of it being something that can bond people together. And, um, uh, in, in, like music as the vehicle, I mean, music is so, yeah. so accessible mm-hmm. and to so many people. And so the combination of that is, uh, seems very powerful. Do you, yeah. do you think that, um, Al, like how, how aware of that is he, uh, that, that larger sense of humor as being, um, like you're saying like a, you know, a coping mechanism, um, a, uh, maybe a form of therapy for some people yeah. how aware of that is he do I
3: think? think he is he makes mm-hmm. jokes about his significance you know I was really trying mm-hmm. to focus on his significance and he would make jokes about it you know just being humor and all of this but he mm-hmm. knows and he gets letters and he mm-hmm. he's heard from fans about what his music has meant to meant to them so mm-hmm. I'm very sure that he knows mm-hmm. um, all of that and he yeah there's so many devoted fans that find mm-hmm. this. Ah, uh, this safe spot, you know, not only that catharsis and that coping and that escape, mm-hmm. but that community, the the fans around Weird Al, um, the ones that I've dealt with, um, have have been a, really a wonderfully welcoming space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not something that I originally set out to write about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was not my focus, but it's something I wanted to focus on when I got the chance with this expanded edition, mm-hmm. um, because especially during the pandemic, the letters that just I received about this book, from some of these fans, they meant so much to me, you know, when you are on lockdown and, you know, during that whole period um, Mm. to have these fans really reading and responding to the book, it meant so much to me. Um, Mm. And yeah. And they were so creative. I think fans are often another category that are kind of dismissed around music this kind Mm. of screaming (laughs) girl, right? Outside of the hotel. But there's so many weird Owl fans are so creative and constructive mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. they're writing their mm-hmm. own parodies and they're, um, they're amazing. Dave Rossi is this fan. He's got this podcast, mm-hmm. um, with Dave and Ethan's um, amazing podcast. Um, and Dave uh, was a part of the whole campaign to get weird owl, the star on mm-hmm. the Hollywood walk of fame. And, and he's just wonder- a wonderfully uh, supportive fan. It's nothing like, this image of that that hysterical crazy fan, so um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's been that's been something fun to explore too, and and that's been this place created by humorous music, this place for outsiders, and mm-hmm. um, it was a place I never knew I needed, but I think everyone kind of does. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> this is so just cool. so fascinating to me, and you know, and it, it actually. I'm fascinated, especially, look, I know we're not interviewing you about your life, Lily. <laughs> you want to talk about Weird now? <laughs> I know that, but it's fascinating to me. Or I guess I'm curious that, um, you know, being aware of, and only after I've read this book, looking about the other books that you read and knowing that you studied music or, or written, um, but that you, you know, I have it written down here, let's see, so I don't have to pretend like I memorized it. Oh, first of all, <laughs> Amer- Music and American Crime Prevention and Punishment. That's, I want to read that. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating to me. <laughs> and, and, you know, and you've written a couple of books about um, uh, Jewish communities, including one about a Jewish orchestra that the Nazi government supported in spite of the fact that mm-hmm. that music was outlawed.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm wondering mm-hmm.
1: if, if anything in, in these other books, and even these two, maybe those two specifically, if, if there was an intersection of what you learned there and studying parody and humor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, mm
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think they're all connected. It's funny, I actually get this question a lot about just basically how the heck did this happen that you wrote about Weird Al, just given these past <laughs> books, you know, and, and this, I, you know, I did my dissertation about this orchestra uh, that existed for Jews in Nazi Germany. Wow. And then I wrote this book about uh, music and crime prevention where I talk about music's use as torture, music's use in crime deterrence. <laughs> Um, Rap lyrics, you the very prejudicial use of rap lyrics against their um, authors at court. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what the heck happened? Mm-hmm. Um, but I see, I always see the connection and it's, I'm very interested in this categories and um, Jewish music was this category that you kind of think you know what it is, but it was very much negotiated during the Nazi era. Mm-hmm. I think people um, think that there's some sort of one-to-one. If you're Jewish, you're going to write a certain music, but people are Mm -hmm. always more complicated Mm -hmm. in that. And I really wanted to highlight that. Mm -hmm. Um, But also in in doing that book, um, I saw the different uses of music in times of crisis. Mm -hmm. And humor was a part of that Mm -hmm. during that time and in the Holocaust. So I was aware then of how significant humorous music could be. Mm -hmm. Um, And the same thing with the music and crime prevention there, uh, you know, having been involved with classical music, you often hear how music is connected to a higher realm. Music is somehow lofty, but music can also be, as I highlight in this book, something used towards negative ends. So I was another category. I took on the category of music Mm -hmm. in that book. Um, So then here I'm taking on the category of humorous music and, you know, people think serious music, serious classical music is Mm -hmm. so much more worthy somehow when I again think there's so much significance and work behind funny music. And there's so much that funny music can do. So I see the connection with all of these things. And I think Mm -hmm. the earlier work prepared me for Weird Al. Um, So it's not just a silly thing that I ended up here. Although I do make the joke that my CV, my kind of list of books looks like a kind of Joke with this this weird owl punchline, like, yes. but I see the connection. <laughs> um, you have
2: made yeah. a case certainly for the <laughs> seriousness mean- and the importance yes. of weird owl. <laughs> yes, super important. Yeah. Yes, think about um,
1: you know, you mentioned about uh, something you mentioned, right? Reminded me this that the fact that um maybe it's just the controversial songs that he sort of, you know, flipped, uh, you know, sort of on their, on their end. But he, in this era that we live in right now, where folks are, you know, often rightfully so decrying a cultural appropriation, it seems like Al could be accused of that, either the music or taking on the identities of these characters. But here we are, he, you know, whether it's that or, you know, or religion, you know, or, or race, it's, Mm-hmm. Somehow he seems to be, I don't want to say bulletproof because maybe that's a bad use of the word that we're talking about gun ownership and mm-hmm. trigger happy, but, <laughs> but he has avoided that sort of critique. It seems like certainly, you know, yeah. how is that?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, this, there's this idea when you're involved mm-hmm. in comedy for long enough, you know, comedy changes so quickly. The context of comedy changes so quickly sure. and, mm-hmm. and jokes change so fast. Um, and Weird Al is sensitive to that. That's one reason mm. he tries to avoid politics because he knows those jokes, those things are not going to age well, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's sensitive to the changing meaning in comedy. Um, and I think he, also his, his reputation really helps here because he is very nice. He is really trying not to offend. That is not his goal. Sometimes there are those comedians that they want to make their point by shocking you that's sure. not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. effective i'm not saying anything against that but that's not what weird owls about um mm-hmm. so i think that really helps him here when he's when there are things that don't age well he tries to not do them anymore um mm-hmm. and and the other ones you know there are those cases parody does have some pl- plausible deniability i think mm-hmm. but there are some songs um that are very beloved in the fan community that I think, you know, there is a case to be made, um, you know, that there are some problems, um, with, mm-hmm. around race. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's had the blowback, um, because uh, he's, he's not trying to shock. He is trying mm-hmm. to be careful and he mm-hmm. is a genuinely nice guy. Um, so I, I think that's what's helped here. Um, but it is interesting. I think any comedian, who has been around as long as Al and how many have been, especially in the area of music, it's kind of amazing mm-hmm. how long his career has been yeah. are, are going to have some, some jokes that don't age well. Yep. Right. Right. <laughs>
2: um, hey,
1: look, we are uh, grateful for this because uh, look, we, 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 already loved Al, but this is seriously folks. If you're fair fans of weird Al, you're fans of music, you're fans of, uh, I mean, just just so many amazing stories in here. Uh, mm-hmm. You got to check out Weird Al seriously from, from Lily Hirsch. The uh, we are mm-hmm. so grateful for your time today. Thanks so much. For <laughs> thank your, you probably.
3: so much for <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun.
1: Look, if you haven't, and John, if you haven't, but I'll tell you, John, based even on your comments earlier today, you probably could have written this book because uh, a <laughs> lot of the things you said are straight <laughs> out of this book. Um, f- for anybody who loves Al, you got to read this. It's such a great read. It is. Um, mm-hmm. It's so is. informative and fun. And again, the angle she comes out is from this sort of academic angle, but it's not written in a mm-hmm. heavy way. Mm-mm. But she shows how uh, the even layers beyond what we would, we would think the three of us here chatting
2: today that we understand Weird Al whole other things
1: that maybe maybe even John hasn't considered. So check it out.
2: It's awesome. Yeah. It shows the importance of Weird Al just at its core. Yeah. He's very important. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's, He's an artist who has persisted through decades upon decades upon decades when pop culture, you know, it comes and goes and ebbs yeah. and flows. And he's able to stay on that leading edge and mm-hmm. find, you know, what's the right time? What's the right thing? What's the right parody? Yeah. And he just stays relevant. And I love that for him because of, you know, as I kind of was talking about what a what a great person, you know, he seems yeah. to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You remind me when we were talking earlier about the 2014 when he had those eight songs or eight videos mm-hmm. for eight days. Yeah. How excited I was just to see that he was still producing stuff.
2: Yeah. Because he's
1: a guy that I would have thought maybe in the era of YouTube, he might be out because so many folks produce Mm -mm. parodies now. Now a lot of it's garbage, Mm -mm. but there are some contemporary, you know, uh, what's the word? Oh no. Am I going to say parody? I can't say parody when John's around. Parody, parodists, parodists,
2: parodists
1: that are, that I even like now, but nope, you can't, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't uh, hold Al down. Mm, and not mm, just mm.
0: still producing stuff, on the top of his game. Yeah, oh yes. He's, yes. It's He's building upon, you know, it, I've seen little documentaries where he's in the studio doing like editing with, you know, engineers. And mm. he's like, that's a little behind the beat. Go back. You no, know, it's a little ahead of the, he's super mm. meticulous about things I can appreciate. And, you know, just the commitment to his craft and ahead of the curve on stuff is just, oh, I couldn't say enough great stuff about him. I'm going to pick that book up.
1: Yeah. Right on. Very good. Hey, our show is brought to you every week by our early adopters, including Kathy Burke and Rick Parker, and mm-hmm. uh, especially by our secret of my success level, Patreon supporters, John Henderson, Craig Coletta, John Kaminsky, and the man himself, our guest co-host today, John Reddick.
0: Awesome. <laughs> Happy to do it. Fantastic. Well worth the support.
1: Yeah. Thank you. And listen, listen to your listener get your ass on the internet, go to patreon.com and give us a dollar or something, wouldn't you? Uh, or don't. Or don't. That's fine too.
3: Okay, hey, we will talk
1: to you next time on 1980s Now. See ya. Bye-bye.